Welcome to the Kickpod, your weekly DM on the stuff that matters. Hello there. Hello there. How are you doing? I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm doing okay. How are you doing? Well, we're sitting here recording in the rain. Still in lockdown. You Sorry know. if you can hear rain in my audio. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. We, there's, a, there's hope. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, but yeah. yeah, I'm in mixed moods about um, watching my Sydney friends in their freedom because it, in their newfound freedom because it's like, it's giving me, you know, positive vibes and, and things to look forward to. But at the same time, I'm like, we're not there yet. So it's kind yeah. of, a, it's not really nice to have in your face. But at the same time, <laughs> it's, uh, <laughs> this is a message to Seth's friends. Just Stop be conscious. No, 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 I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. I, um, I'm so happy for them. And it's, the funny thing is, I would like to know, Lawsy, how are you actually feeling about coming out of lockdown? Because I actually had to think about it the other day and don't get me wrong, I am so ready for it to be over. I am so mm. ready. Anyone from Melbourne would be. Um, but I think recently I have, and I haven't actually spoken to you about this. So oh, this you saved it for the podcast. Off the press. Okay. Um, <laughs> no, it's only because I recently started thinking about it. But I've only recently just got on top of feeling like I'm – um, I'm getting that balance right of like work and Harvey and, you know, part mat leave, you know, part working. I feel like I've only really just got on top of it and I feel good about how much I'm doing and, you know, I'm, I'm tackling what I can and I just, I feel good, but that's working from home. And I started to think ahead about next month and we have so many exciting things happening, like really, really exciting things. So it's all positive stuff, but it is going to be a really busy month for us and even outside of kick, there's just a lot of things. And then obviously on top of that, we'll be coming out of restrictions. So no doubt, you know, people are going to want to see Harvey and I'm going to want to go to a restaurant or a cafe. Like I'm going to want to do things differently to how we've been doing them for the last six months. But um, I started to feel really anxious and Mm. overwhelmed about that. Like I started to look forward at my calendar and I was like, okay, there is quite a few appointments out of the house. Um, there's, yeah, it's a lot to think about. Um, you know, who's going to mind Harvey? Am I going to take him with me? Am I going to, you know? Oh, of course, because, I mean, when we were last, before we went into lockdown, you weren't mm. doing sleep training and you also mm. weren't. He was a newborn though, was, so he could yeah, just so sleep could, anywhere. Yeah, yeah, so, okay, yeah, that's a lot. Yeah. That is a lot. So now I'm like, okay, so my few days in the office every week, like, Am I going to like, yeah, how am I going to tackle that? Mm. Who's going to be home with him? Or like, am I going to pump? Am am I going to start giving him some formula? Like I'm trying to work it all out in my head. Um, And then even like certain shoot days and stuff or or appointments that I have coming up, it's because I'm now physically leaving the house. It's like a whole new thing to tackle and a whole new thing I'm going to need a balance. And it's, it's just funny timing because I feel like I've, I've really just got on top of you know, that I was really feeling quite stressed and overwhelmed um, up until recently just because I felt like I couldn't give my all at work, Mm. which really annoyed me because I'm usually, you know, I usually love it and I feel like I'm, you know, so productive and I can give a lot to the team and give a lot of ideas and I've just felt a little brain dead. But up until now, I feel like I've finally got the balance where I feel like I can add value to, you know, even like the simplest meetings. And now it's like, okay, this is going to throw me off, I feel. But I, I am obviously super pumped and so, so excited for freedom, but I am really, really anxious. And I'm just wondering how you're feeling. Yeah, well, I think a lot of people would be feeling that way. I think it's, I mean, I think for me, I'm, I wouldn't say 
anxious. I'm excited to get back into the office mm, because I am so, and I'm really excited to have some, Dalton and I to have some space and just not, like, be excited yeah. to see each other again at the end of yeah, the day. Yeah, like, each other. Yes. Have a chance. <laughs> yes, I can't wait for that. Um, but I do, I was thinking about, you know, what it will be, I, what it will be like when life goes back to normal. And I was also thinking about for people, one thing that I've actually been feeling is that I've seen a lot of people, like, especially in Sydney, who have come out of lockdown and like, they've got a dinner planned or even in Melbourne, like coming out of, you know, mm. where a lot of picnics and they've got a picnic planned like two a day for three mm. days in a row, mm. or they've got like 85 dinners booked and like they're booked out until February next year. And I'm like, I don't really actually have anything booked. Like, am I uncool? Mm. Like, do I have no, no friends? I, no, you know? I have the kick <laughs> Christmas party booked yeah. and your wedding yeah. and that's it. <laughs> but that's, that's the thing. And I think I wanted, I, I don't know, I just wanted to bring that up for anyone that might be feeling like, like, oh my goodness, why don't I have a thousand things planned in that everyone has different friendship circles different you know you you might have some people have like 20 friends still from school some people don't like I don't have 20 friends from school that's okay I feel like a lot of people are going to come out of lockdown with all those plans go one week and be exhausted a hundred percent a hundred percent but yeah I just I feel like sometimes that's the one thing with social media that's hard is that like you kind of compare it's so funny Mm. we compare everything even like how many dinners people are booked and then Mm. like also you might might be Mm. feeling overwhelmed like oh you know maybe you've saved money through lockdown or you've gone through financial hardship which Mm. a lot of people have and then it's like oh my god the anxiety of like Mm. all of these things that um it's just money that you haven't had to spend and it's a lot so I think uh, yeah I'm I'm really glad you brought that up Steffi because I think a lot (laughs) of people would be feeling like that a hundred percent I think my anxiety is kind of more just all at my wedding, at our wedding. Oh, my God, mine. Dalton is obviously involved. Um, Do you know how often I say Laura's wedding? I'm like, <laughs> oh, it's Dalton's too. It's Dalton's day too. I just, I just feel a bit, ang- I don't know. I, I know when we get there it'll be, I'll love it and it'll be the best mm. day, but a day revolved around like Dalton and I gives me severe anxiety. Like I literally, I don't know why I think about this, but I'm like, oh, my God, will people have a good time? Like, I'm thinking about that. Like, what's right? You know what? (laughs) You you can't help it. You can't help it. Like, people tried to tell us, you know, just do me a favour, don't be the hosts. Like, enjoy your own wedding. And it was really great advice because I think there was a point in the night where we did just enjoy it and we forgot about being the hosts. But in the lead up and certainly like even the setup and everything, especially because it was on Josh's property and like we were very much part of the setup and everything. I mean, I was lucky I got to come up with you guys later, but there was a lot of you know, we almost put that pressure on ourselves of, of being that host. And, you know, even Josh said that before we'd even arrived before the ceremony, he so badly wanted to go out and like greet people and, you know, kind of be that host. And everyone was like, no, just stay put and like, enjoy yourself. Like, don't worry about having to feel like you need to do that. Um, so I, I will say there is a point where you do forget about it all and you do just genuinely lay your head down and have fun. And, but it is really important to try and go into the night thinking, actively about not being a host because it is it is I know it makes you anxious but it is about you and it Mm. it is seriously one of the it's going to be so amazing it's you're going to have so much fun um and I was just saying we were saying the other day to each other like how special that like in the first month of like ease of restrictions we get a wedding (laughs) and it's it's not just a wedding it's your wedding like it's my best friend's wedding it's the coolest thing ever (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, anyway, I thanks. That's nice. I no, I'm I'm very excited. I just yeah, I think that's so. I think my any anxiety of kind of coming out of lockdown is is consumed by ah, 
ah, there's a wedding and yeah. it's ours. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> no, oh, oh, by the way, anyone listening is like, are you having second thoughts? No, not about getting married adults. And I'm very excited about that. It's just like the day and the things yeah. and organisation. Anyway, moving mm. on, do you have mm. a special share this week? And I wonder if ours are the same. Probably. Well, it's, it? a, it's a little, it's weird. I feel like the last time this happened, we both did it. It's our Apple Music playlist, the music that moves you. Is that what yours was? No. Oh, okay. Well, okay. So <laughs> Laura and I, we have I, updated. I it. Like that is yeah. definitely a recommendation, no but it wasn't my special share of this week. Okay. No. Okay. So <laughs> it's my recommendation because, you know, Kick Run program has launched. And ever since we launched, I feel like my DMs have been flooded with what's a great running playlist. Yes. And so I would like to put forward my own and your <laughs> Playlists because I think they're pretty great. Um, they're and pretty they are actually quite different. Yeah. You know what we have in similar? We, we're, we're similar in that we've got some old school bangers and some you know some newer. You've songs, got some great, but old the mix is bangers. different. I've got like two that are really random. You've got like about I'm going to say eight. Like the majority of the yeah, songs, yeah. really good, really good. Well, thanks. Um, but yeah, so I am going to recommend, sorry, if you have Apple Music, um, you can either search our names or like music that moves me and you'll, you'll see a bunch of playlists. But yeah, they have just or, um, yours been is updated. Featured. Yours is featured at the top of Apple oh, Music, nice. not mine. <laughs> yours. <laughs> oh my God. Do you have a song in there that's like controversial or something? No, because you are the bigger, you know, if Seth brings We the don't need to talk in, about this. We can move on. We can am, move on. I am the sidekick. Mine is Shut still up. in the bottom. Oh my God. Anyway, that is my recommendation because that is my Good answer one. to the dance. I've listened that have been to your um, playlist today. It made me very happy. Oh, that's I just good. love Avril Lavigne girlfriend. Like, hey. Anyway, love it, love it. I think I even have um, Black Betty in there. You do, like, you do. I've got you all have... these songs that really got me grooving <laughs> in high school. Anyway, sorry. Black Betty's probably not my favorite song, but I do, I do like your playlist a lot. My playlist <laughs> is probably just a bit more like R and B vibes. I would say. Yeah. Random. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's anyway, great. Anyway, anyway, do you want to know my special share? Because it is nah, not Nah, let's same. move on. Nah, okay. <laughs> What's your special share? So my, this is why I thought um, it would be yours because we're both watching this show right now and it is called Made. Oh, of course, yes. And it, no, I think I knew, I subconsciously knew that this was going to be yours. I thought I'd leave it oh, for you. Well, well thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. So it's number two on Netflix. So you're after mm. Squid Game, which I am, not, I don't know if we've spoken don't watch about it. this. I'm not, don't oh watch my God, it. that is anxiety for me. I will not be watching it. So number two, Made. Mm. It is a beautiful, I mean, it's very, very sad. I was talking to you actually last weekend, yeah. Steph. The first the few three episodes I found, yeah. like, what's the word? I, I was I was very It just upset. triggered you a lot. Like yeah, it was, a lot. It was, there was a lot of things in there that um, were overwhelmingly uh, t- tragic. Yeah, it is. And it's it's centred around the stories is about domestic violence mm. and mm. especially emotional abuse, which is mm. it's just devastating. To, a lot of people watch. don't recognise it. Exactly right. I think it's it's amazing that this show is, and at the, in the episodes that, I don't think it's in every episode, but in quite a few of the episodes, information about domestic violence pops up on the screen. I think it's fantastic that they are raising awareness for it because, as you said, um, it is something that, especially with emotional um, emotional domestic violence, I had a look online at the Australian statistics and there's one in four experience emotional um, domestic violence and it is so sad unfortunately mm. it is more common um, for women to experience it and it's just 
it just made me think like, you know, when you see domestic, and I, I'm so lucky that I have not experienced it, mm, mm. but when you see people and, and you think like, wow, you just wish they could get out, this show mm. shows you why How it, hard is it is so hard to get mm. out and it is not easy. Um, and, yeah, it, but it is it is a powerful and beautiful moving story of mm. the light at, at the end of the tunnel and I could not recommend yeah. it anymore. I haven't finished it, but I'm, I'm yeah, I'm really enjoying it. Um, and the fun fact for anyone who does watch it, the mother and daughter are actual mother and daughter. Isn't like that the amazing? Act- the I couldn't yeah. believe when you sent that to me. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, so nice. it's incredible. So anyway, highly, highly recommend. And now for kick update, Steffi, mm. you mentioned before, I mean, really the kick run is, we're in kick run land at the yes. moment. It's been, kick run it's land. just been so incredible, uh, like just chat. I've chatted to so many of you been, and yeah, yeah. in our community and like in my DMs about running and how people that, you know, have never wanted to, like maybe they haven't run since high school or they never, never they thought could. they could and, and yeah. if you, if you but they're able to and they've given it a go and they enjoyed it. And I've had some people say they just started crying after they finished Aww. it because they were so proud of themselves for doing it and they yeah. never thought that they could because it was intimidating. But we've, I mean, it just like it's such a, a big shout out to our team for making the program Absolutely. the way that it is um, and taking down, you know, those barriers of, you know, with running, I would it's too hard to think about. It's too much to mm. do and it's too hard. And we've tried to take away as many as we can. So you just, you know, press play and then um, the program is, as we've spoken about, it's expert led. So it's safe for you to build up. Um, and yeah, it's been, we honestly, thank you so much to everyone who has done the program, shared it. It's just, it's amazing. Um, yep. We also have a kick run database. We'll put the link to that in the show notes. So we send an email each week and it's got running motivational tips and everything running in there if you if you want some extra running emails in your life. They are great. And like to those of you who might, you know, not really know what we're talking about. Um, so recently we have put in a new, brand new run program into the app, which teaches you to basically run from zero kilometers. Like I can't run or, you know, I've never run before or I've been injured for a long time. I haven't run in a long time to running 5k nonstop comfortably. And I'm personally, so I'm, I'm in it and I'm in week two now and I've been in it and I'm decided to do it from week one, run one. So our physio has said and has shared with us um, that it is actually safe. If you can comfortably run three kilometres, it is safe to skip to week three and start there. But I am someone who each time I run, which because I can run comfortably three Ks, but not really much more than that. I'm someone who often goes too hard, too quickly, challenges myself too much to the point where I hated the run. Mm. And, you know, I might enjoy the feeling when I get home, but I just think about how I hated every single step because I was just pushing myself that little bit too much and thinking about it too much and critiquing myself too much. You know, I'm not going fast enough or I haven't gone farther enough, farther enough, further enough. Sometimes I haven't gone far enough. Oh my God. (laughs) Um, and you know, I compare myself to others and all that sort of stuff. And then I just, I give up, I go on Mm -hmm. one run, you know, once in a blue moon. Um, and so what I'm really keen to do is I've committed to do these three runs a week. And because I've started at week one, run one, I found the first couple of runs quite comfortable and, and almost easy, which was really motivating. It felt really good to get it done and be like, okay, now I really want to do the next one. And I want to see how that gradually builds up. And I'm so excited. I'm so excited to be in it with all of you. Um, and as Laura said, 
it's just been really, really beautiful to see the response and um, to answer a lot of like a really common question. It is just a part of our normal Keep It Cleaner program. So it's not a separate program. It's not an additional fee. If you sign up to Keep It Cleaner, you will have access to the run program. Um, And I mean, while I'm on the topic, if you are interested in checking out Kick, you can head to our website, um, www.keepitcleaner.com or find us on the App Store or Google Play and you can enjoy a seven day free trial to check it out. Enjoy. I love how you say enjoy. It makes me laugh. <laughs> I love it. Well, without further ado, it's time to get into Kick DM. Whoop, whoop. I've got it. Is that all right? Because you usually read them. Can I read it? It's okay. You Is read it. Sorry. You read it out. <laughs> okay. You're not allowed. Okay. Okay. Thank you very much to this person who sent this in. Also, if you have a DM question you want us to answer, we're back into normal programming of podcasts, as in mm. like we're going to do the DMs every week. Uh, and you can email podcast at keepitcleaner.com.au with your questions. So, this question I'm 20 years old and I've been with my boyfriend for almost two years. He always talks about how much he cares about me. However, recently he's been having doubts about our relationship and keeps saying that we should be off partying and exploring ourselves rather than being in a relationship at our age. Should I be going crazy in quotation marks at my age? How do I respond to his comments? Okay. Okay. Well, the first thing to tackle is how do you feel and what do you want? Because yes, that's not really in this question is in like, where, where are you mm. at? Are you really comfortable in your relationship and you're really happy and you don't, you don't want that for yourself? You don't want to go crazy and explore, I don't know, other people, other places, whatever you want to do. Um, cause that, that's the, the big thing is you are a couple, you are a team. It's up to the both of you just because he thinks that, you know, you guys should be off doing that doesn't mean that that's what you should be doing. Um, it's really a decision that you need to make both of you need to come to a decision on. And um, I think if you come to a point where neither of you can make that decision as in like you're in two different minds, then, you know, that that's kind of this decision decision should be mm. made for you because if he's pushing to kind of, you know, go without you or whatever, I mean, look, I've seen, I've seen relationships kind of split up at that early twenties um, age and it was for the best and they, you know, actually had grown apart and grown into different interests and met other people that actually filled their cup a little bit more. Then I've also seen the opposite. I've seen people have a break and it was really good and beneficial for them and they realised they were made for each other and that they were, you know, best mates and that's that they wanted to be back together and they got back together. So, and then also there is obviously the third, which is when one person is quite happy with how it's been mm. without and then the other person is like mm, I really miss you and, and that this really sucks and obviously that's that's horrible and um you know I don't wish that upon you but yeah basically my point is have the conversation and definitely put your what you want out there as well or what you think and I suppose I maybe ask him why he thinks that like you know I feel like there is that pressure on young 20s in the relationship when you're coming out of high school so many people especially older people say like oh you should just be single you should have fun and like go do this and go do that I mean I felt the same pressure Josh and I were 18 when we got together and we were both in serious relationships right before that relationship so I even felt like should I have been single for longer like you know I should I be going and doing something else and we'd only been dating for over just over a year when we both went overseas for a long period of time and, and did distance. And I even brought it up then and was like, you know, should we, should we be separate through this? Like, do we need to like go and explore other options or whatever? But it's not because I wanted to, I think it was honestly because there was this, yeah, pressure put on young, young relationships that like, you don't know that that's your person. So you really should just go off and spend this time with everyone else to figure it out. But I don't think that that's, 
that's not the way it needs to be. And also you could be with someone for, you know, from 18 to 28 and get close to 30 and realize they're not the right person Mm. and then have your single period. Like it doesn't all have to happen in your early twenties. You don't need to discover yourself at 20. I agree. I think that's such good advice. I I don't know why there's this, it's like this stereotype of like Mm. when you're 18 and 20 or whatever, you have to go to Europe and go on Kentucky and find yourself. I'm telling you, I know a lot of people have done that. I don't think they found themselves. They found themselves on the bottom of like vomiting in the toilet because that's what you do. And I haven't done one, but I, you know, that's what Mm. I just think there's this pressure to be, yeah, go be single, find yourself. Mm. If that is you, oh, go, go. If that's Mm. what you want, but don't do it just because there's, you read in a book that like, that's what you're meant to do. You're not meant Mm. to do anything. As I think, as you said, it was so great, Steph, like, what do you want? That is the question. Mm. You don't, I mean, me example, I went probably, wait, crazy. I don't, I don't know if that's like what I went, but I, you know, I went, I was clubbing three times a week and I was 18, having a kebab, um, you know, 2am in the morning, that kind of, if that's what you call crazy. I, that was not me. I did it for six mm. months and I was like, this life is not for me. I can't do it. I'm not in control. I don't like it. I want to just be fresh for my studying. Like that was mm. literally, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that might seem like uncool for some people, but that for me was what I was happy with. And then, you know, I didn't have a large time of being single in between my last long-term relationship and this one that I'm in now. But I feel like as a person, I have changed, so, grown in myself. I also, mm. I said this before, I don't really believe or I don't, haven't yet found myself. I feel like I'm fine. Like I'm not looking, but I haven't found. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure I believe in, in that kind of thing, mm. but mm. Or I'm not putting pressure on myself to find myself. But in my relationship now, even though Dalton and I have been together for, you know, over five years, and I didn't have that like crazy single time mm, in my early twenties. Mm. And I would say you were the same because we've mm. been friends through this whole mm. time. We have both developed as people and changed mm. and grown so much, yeah, even absolutely. though we were in a relationship. So I think just don't think that you can't grow. Yeah, out. You need to be single. You can grow in a relationship. You just it, then that's why in a relationship it's important that you important that you have independence. That that's important to me in a relationship. Mm. But yeah, well, well wow, I really, sorry, wow, was I? I hope that answered your question. Was I on speed fast? Like, no, pace? you were very passionate. I loved sorry. it. Sorry. <laughs> Whoa. Sure, she appreciates it too. Anyway, well, <laughs> on that note, let's us stop talking and let's go into today's <laughs> chat, you know, for the second part of this podcast. We have got the very amazing Ali Sedwig on the podcast today from Comfortable in My Own Skin. And speaking of breaking down stereotypes and just Mm. ideas of what society puts pressure on us to look like and be like, Ali speaks so beautifully about Mm. this. Uh, We, uh, this was, we we just finished this podcast before the interview and we just, Ali has beautiful energy. We both got on the next Zoom to record this part and we were like, wow, she's just gorgeous and so loving and kind. And yeah, we really hope you enjoy this chat. Welcome, Ellie, to the Kickpot. How are you going today? Good, thank you. Very good. How are you? We're very good. We're very excited to chat to you. Thank you so much for joining us. I got to say, your backdrop, you look like you live in such a beautiful, homey home. It looks gorgeous. <laughs> it's, it's really lovely. I live in a little cabin up on a hill on a farm in Byron Bay, and I can see Byron Bay Lighthouse and Mount Warning at the same time. So I do feel like I'm very lucky. Living the dream. That's amazing. Um, We want to jump straight into it today and talk about your incredible career that has, you know, grown from a personal experience that you went through. Um, 
to that led you to what you do and, and helping others. Do you want to talk to that and, and tell your story to our audience? Sure, absolutely. So um, when I was younger, it started when I was about 14, um, is when I first heard the term innie and outie, talking <laughs> about vulvas. Um, a boy in my maths classroom touched me on the shoulder and he gave me a little letter and it said, do you have an innie or an outie? I would have instantly thought belly button at that age. <laughs> <laughs> I did, I did. But I quickly learned that the vulva can be innie or outie. And then there was just quite a few different different um, things that were said over my time in high school. I used to surf a lot, so things that were said out in the ocean by people surfing um, about other people in bikinis, um, it led me to be insanely self-conscious of my vulva. Mm -hmm. And I found it just got worse and worse as I got older and older um, until eventually I found out about labiaplasty and that's when I started researching labiaplasty um, which is sad, um, but it definitely, I was really lucky because I had a doctor who talked me out of getting the surgery. Um, so I'm forever grateful for that doctor. But before I saw him, I did see a few others and had meetings with other doctors and I just found, or oh, cosmetic surgeons, that they didn't even, um, you know, educate me on anything before they mm. were ready to do the surgery. So although I didn't go through with it, I um, had lots of consultations and I just felt um, now that I'm older, really sad for younger people that go in um, to these things unknown and uneducated and go go through with these operations and surgeries. Um, yeah, not knowing and then it's changed your whole life. Mm. So um, the plastic surgeon, cosmetic surgeon in, in India who I went to see, mm. he said to me that um, I should research what other vulvas look like before I go through with the surgery. Mm. Um, so I have then done that in a very large scale and I've been photographing vulvas for three years now. So I photographed over 300 people, um, two transgender women, and then, um, yeah, and I'm, I don't plan on stopping anytime soon. Mm. I'm in the process of making a coffee table book so that it can be in like GPs, schools, mm. galleries, um, bookshops and everything so people can see what a normal vulva looks like. Oh, I love that. So it's mm. so awesome. So mm. I, I, when I heard your story, I, I just thought like, you know, it must be, it's so common and it's also something that we don't really speak about with anyone, which is why mm. your work is incredible. How, how old were you when you first went to the doctor in, I'm guessing the first doctor you went to was in Australia and then the second one was in yeah. India? It was my early 20s. So okay. I, I, I didn't speak to anybody about my um, body issues and body mm. shame and vulva shame. I only spoke to my sister. And so I, when I finished school, I was just 18 and I went traveling mm. and I had just come back from traveling and I was in the park with my sister and I had slept with someone the night before and I was crying to Nikki saying like, what if, what if he tells people like what I look like down there? Oh. And that's when my sister said to me, you know, like, I think that this is 
been going on for too long that maybe there's something you could do. And she told me what labiaplasty was um, and she's like, it might actually help you. But it's funny looking back now because she's the best ever. But what I actually needed was a counsellor or, mm. Um, mm. or I needed myself now, mm. Mm. Um, which is why I've created Comfortable and Meskin because I'm like, I actually just want to help all those younger people in high school that have no one to go to. So I sort of just created it what I thought could have helped me. But mm-hmm. it turns out that um, most people that I work with are in their early 30s to 40s. So it's funny. I started it targeting um, teenagers, but I work a lot more with mothers struggling mm-hmm. to reconnect with their bodies. But mm-hmm. it's open for everybody. So, you know, it's amazing, amazing the work that you do. I wondered as well, and because you've spent so much time with so many women, why do you think that society has somehow got into our brains that we should only have an innie vagina? Do you think it comes from when we're younger? Because I'm thinking like I wasn't exposed to porn. I wasn't exposed to anything as a younger woman. And I still had that in my head. Mm, I'm the same. I didn't really watch porn, um, but there's so many, so many people that come to me that they, they, they got self-conscious from watching porn because they did choose certain porn stars for mm-hmm. that reason, um, that they had a certain kind of vulva that I guess society thought was beautiful um, at that moment in time. Um, but I think my insecurities came from just like a complete lack of education of not, and I think bar. Barbie, which is hilarious, but I think I always thought I was supposed to be like the Barbie dolls, just nothing there. And I think um, beach culture, it's like you do always get changed in front of your friends at the ocean and, you know, in my bikini you could see sort of a bulge, I guess you'd say you describe it, because I have big outer labia, so not not big inner labia, but um, so you can really see it. And I would compare to my friends and be like, why don't they have anything there? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and it just comes from shame and, and, and people not feeling comfortable to talk about their bodies, mm-hmm. which is a lot of people might be religion. What that wasn't the case for me, but we just never talked about our vulvas and in sex education, there wasn't the right resources in class. Like it would be a vulva that was just drawn kind of like a V. I never saw my style of vulva anywhere at any point in my life. So I just felt like I was really different. Um, and it, I guess it caused me a lot of pain. Um, and it wasn't like men or, you know, purely men. It was like men and women. I feel like the girls at school would say things about other people and um, growing up now and speaking to those girl, same girls, you know, two of my best friends in high school had labiaplasty and they only came and spoke to me about it once I started comfortable in my skin. But I'm like, why did none of us feel comfortable to talk to each other? So I think it's just like this stigma and it's such a taboo topic, which is why I work so hard to voice anything I talk about um, mm. in Comfortable in My Skin because I think giving anything a voice is what makes it less taboo, which is killing all the stigma and making people feel less alone. Absolutely. I mean, I think I think that's it. It's definitely education because um, 
I mean, the funny thing is, is I think back to the earlier education and I wouldn't have even called it a vulva. I would have just called the whole thing a vagina mm. and like just the everything in there is a vagina and that's all I knew about it. So I, I feel like there needs to be, and I'm not sure how far we've come and how much further we need to go. Um, obviously we, we need to go further if, if what you do is what you do because I didn't remember learning anything about, you know, the different vulvas that there are and obviously like I wasn't looking at anyone else's vulvas like you guys I didn't really watch much porn and it's not like I would ask my friend what theirs looked like or anything like that I just knew what I knew which was what I had and so Mm -hmm. I think you just kind of you you just don't know any different and and that's just yeah um so I think it's again as Laura mentioned what you do is just showing people how unique we all are it's like you know what it's like this is what makes me think it's like people who are funny about feet, right? Everyone's feet look so different. Your toes look different. The way that the arch is in your foot, whether you've got dry skin, soft skin, like your feet can look so many different ways. And there is some people who are insecure about their feet. The gaps. But really, the toe yeah. gaps. I, have a, I, I personally have a huge toe gap. And sometimes some people like to point that out to me on Instagram, like they think it's going to hurt me. But um, it's kind really? of like that. I mean, yeah. <laughs> But I mean, like your feet are out there. They're out there for people yeah. to see. So I think that's something, you know, growing up, we understand they're, they're going to be different. Everyone's got different feet. So what you do is put something that isn't always in your face in <laughs> out your face. there for people to see <laughs> and in your face, which is so good. Um, <laughs> out and, and about, as, excuse exactly. the pun. <laughs> <laughs> so you've spent so much time with these women, obviously. I would love to know, is there like a common theme? Um, you mentioned that, you know, some of them, it's quite an often uh, often a theme that their insecurities might have come from porn. Um, where have you have you picked up a common theme about their relationship with their own bodies? Yeah, it's every single person that comes to me has a journey, and it's really sad mm. because every single person seems to feel shame about something mm. on their body, um, and so it's not always they don't always come to me because of their vulva. Sometimes they might just want to stand naked in front of someone that's not going to judge them. Mm. Um, so, but the thing that is in common is like. I always look at them with such loving eyes and and I just think like if if it was me telling you this like would you judge me and I know as a fact they would never and mm. so it's like it's these things that we make up in our heads about ourselves um and we all do it but it's mm. it's it's coming from I think society's beauty standards which mm. are always forever changing so it's hard to keep up but it's yeah it's I don't know I think it's really sad just even the other day um my roommate was like can I see your vulva and I was like oh what and she was like I just want to see it <laughs> and even after all the work I've done I still got yeah. so nervous and I pulled my pants and I showed it and she laughed so much she's like oh my gosh, you've made the biggest ordeal. Like, and you just have like, just, it's just your vulva. So I think so often of the time we create these stories in our head and Mm. we compare ourselves to other people. And, um, it's different with the vulva because yeah, you're not seeing all the other people's, but everyone's whether it's like body weight or Mm. their thighs Mm. or something, everyone has a story and it's because of the journey that they've lived and the life that they've lived. And maybe, you know, their parents have made comments that are Mm. horrible Mm. or everyone's comes from something else, but um, we all have a story. 
it's almost normalised as well. Like it's um, it's more acceptable to put yourself down or to have insecurities than it is to, you know, speak positively about yourself, you know, because if yeah. you speak positively about yourself, you must be vain or, you know, there's something mm. wrong with you if you love yourself or whatever. Um, Which is so yeah. sad. I wonder as well, I mean, I was thinking, I was reading a post you did, Ali, on your Instagram about people's stories with their bodies and, and their journey that they're on and, I was reading some comments that people had said about things that people had said about them when they were younger and they still, like it's still with them. Like someone mm. might have said their nipples were really big or, you know, if something or, or their vulva was big or whatever it might be. And it's so interesting because when you think of experiences that we have with people, like if someone doesn't like your personality or they say something mean about you, usually because you have so many other lived experiences with people, you know, judging your personality or accepting you, you can move past that. But with the private, the parts of our body that obviously aren't shown, like our, our boobs and our vulva and everything, it makes so much sense why one comment when we're younger can stick with us for years, you know, to, and I'm sure you've probably yeah. spoken to people that that have had a comment, you know, when they were 12, that they're 30 and, and they're still thinking about it because they mm-hmm. don't have a lot of experiences with people, you know, looking at it or seeing it. So they, they're just defined by that one moment. Do, do you find that? With a lot of your, the people that yeah. you photograph? I have a diary um, and everyone that I photograph writes in the diary and you would be blown away. It's exactly what you've just said. People mm-hmm. said, I could tell you oh, five different stories off the top of my head. One guy said to a girl, her vulva looks like a volcano upside down erupting. Another one was in a relationship with a guy for four years who called her Squid Lips. That was her nickname. Um, and, you know, and then other ones are just, stories from friends and that's why I want to go into high schools and just talk to young people and be like the language that you use to your friends and your loved ones will affect your entire life Mm. Um, and it's so important that we are just kind and no matter what it is everyone's going through something so it's like just remember to speak kindly to people and because we do hold on to these things for our entire lives especially when it is about our bodies and it's about something that we don't really want to change. Like I never really thought Mm -hmm. I'd go under the knife for anything. I'm not someone that is very much so into cosmetic surgery or anything like that, but I felt so badly that I needed to change to be beautiful or loved or worthy of a passionate relationship. Um, And that definitely stems from things that were said to me when I was really young. So if I can encourage anyone just like being nice to people, especially in the bedroom. It goes such a long way. Those small comments like, oh, you're, you look so beautiful or you taste so good. Anything like that in the bedroom, those comments are just beautiful and you want to remember them with someone that you've been intimate with. It's so important. So, Ellie, you touched before on labia surgery and we understand, you know, obviously when it comes to cosmetic surgeries and, and, and labia surgery and everything like that, it is a personal choice and, you know, everyone's journey is their journey and, whatever they prefer to do is of course okay. But if you could put something like a message or something in mm-hmm. a pamphlet that is that gets handed out to everyone who considers the surgery, what would it be? What would it say? 
I think it's go and do research about the topic, whatever it is you're doing. Mm. So for me, once I researched, which is exactly what the plastic surgeon did say, he was like, go Mm. and look at what others look like. And then I found out on that journey how many nerve endings are in my labia. So it became a tool for pleasure for me rather than something that I would cut off to fit society's idea of beauty. So do the research on what you're doing, um, on what can go wrong and then remember that, like I said before, that society's idea of beauty is forever changing and you might get breast implants and then in 10 years' time you don't want them anymore and you've got this silicon in your body and it might be making you sick. Um, I just think it's remember that, yeah, these things aren't natural that we're putting inside of us, um, but there's also a, um, you know, it's even like laser hair removal, which is such a phase. Um, I got that when I was younger and I regret it so much because now I have like this weird wispy bush <laughs> and I would love <laughs> now that I'm 30 to have this amazing big bush because that's what I want now. <laughs> so, you know, you're going to want different things and it's just a stage in life. And I think the important thing to remember is there are other ways and usually it's something that's going on in your head mentally. So rather do the work, go see a therapist, go see a sexologist, go and talk to your friends and see if there's other ways that you can get through these insecurities that don't include um, forever changing a part of your body. So, yeah, I have a lot of things that I would say in that pamphlet. Um, but <laughs> Probably mostly, some photos too. <laughs> yes, yes, a hell of a lot of photos. But mostly it's just um, do the research and, and do the work because it's not just going to happen overnight that you're just going to be like, oh, cool, I love this part of my body now. You have to actually do the work to connect with your body. Mm-hmm. And you also remember, like, you don't have to love every single part of your body. You just have to accept it. So it's like, you know, if it's... If it is your vulva that you don't like, instead of doing the surgery, maybe put it off for one year and then say for this whole year, I'm going to do everything I can find online to connect with my vulva. So I could give you a thousand and one tips, but even just like cupping your vulva when you're going to bed and sending love from your heart to your pussy and just being like, I'm so grateful that I can even feel this, like having my own hands on my body that I can feel that touch and then do those kinds of things for a whole year and then see if you still want the surgery. Cause I guarantee you, if you put the love in that you won't. I think that's such amazing advice, especially in, I mean, as you touched on before, that we just live in this world where, you know, beauty standards are changing. I actually, I just saw a post pop up on Instagram before and it was kind of from the 1950s to now and, you know, it was Marilyn Monroe body type was what everyone was kind of idolising and then there was a few in between but then Kate Moss was there and then there was like really strong, I'm probably getting these the wrong way around, but it was all of these different body types and, you know, now the latest picture that this photo had was Kim Kardashian. And there's so many body types and and it's changing all the time. So, yeah, if you make a forever change, it might not mm. be. that's And you're making it for the wrong reason, as in mm. that you want to, you want to, you know. Up with the trends. Yeah, be exactly up yeah. with the trends, but you're changing your body. Mm. It's, um yeah, it's it's so scary. And even like with, with social media, with filters, like there's filters on Instagram that literally are called perfect face. And so I know when I put that filter on my face, it makes my nose smaller. It makes my jaw more chiseled, makes my mm. eyes go up. And so that tells me, and I'm fine. I don't use filters now because I'm like, I actually can't. I'm like, this is not I feel me. Like I'm like I look, an alien. I look, yeah, I look bizarre. It's not, it's not for me. And I can see through that now because I, mm. the way that I look is not 
my value. Absolutely not. But I understand why so many people would see that and mm. think, oh, well, okay, I need to change my nose because mm. when my nose is smaller, that's when I'm, you know, this perfect filter and it's the filter of the moment. I'm sure in a year, maybe noses will need to be bigger. Like we just don't know. And it's <laughs> yeah. so scary. Yeah. And I feel really sorry for people um, going through this, mm. this this filter stage at, at this age that they're at, because I know that it can cause a lot of insecurities for when mm. you go out in public. So, mm. you know, you're putting all these filters on and people think that you look away that you don't. So then when you go out, you have to put on all this makeup and change and do your hair every single time so that you look like this filter that you look like on your online life. But so many of these online lives are just you know, it's not reality, but um, I just think it causes a lot of pressure for young people to try and look a certain way, which is unreachable in everyday life. You've shared so much and you've, there's been a lot of incredible advice throughout this, but for those li- like who are on their journey right now on having a better relationship with their body, whether it's their labia or anything on their body, um, and they want to move past and get out of the comparison trap, um, mm. you know, of putting themselves down and, and not really ever being able to see the positives in themselves and appreciating their body for what it can do rather than what it looks like, what would you say to them? I would say put in the work of self-love and I would say go onto Instagram. It, it, it can be a really great tool and follow accounts that are really body positive um, and I mean, I'm a huge advocate for masturbation, but in the way of self-pleasure. So Mm. just giving yourself so much love and not expecting it from other people, give it to yourself. Cause if you're going to wait, um, for other people, it's, it's going to be a slow journey. But if you put in the hard work to yourself and I do things in my daily routine, so I don't, I make it really easy for myself. So, you know, when I wake up and I'm brushing my teeth, that's when I really use nice language to myself. I'll do it naked and I'll be like, oh, my skin looks nice on my chest today. Oh, I love this mole. Mm. Um, I think that like mirror work goes a really, really, really Mm. long way. Um, And it feels really it feels really hard to do mirror work at first, but you do just get used to it. And then I would say. Something else I do is when I go to bed, I make a really nice sanctuary. So I put candles everywhere. I set up a really nice zone. I put on nice music. So it's almost like you're romanticizing yourself. Um, and then of course, like exercise, which you girls are incredible at giving great advice and eating healthy. Um, it all plays into part because you've got to have a clear mind to have a clean body and, mm. I would recommend to never compare mm. yourself to your friends and to voice everything that you're feeling. I think that's mm. probably my number one thing is if you're feeling any form of self-consciousness, go and speak to your mum or your dad or your sister or find someone like me. A life coach helps so much, like reach out for the help, never stay silent. I love that. I think that's such great advice. And I mean, in, in your situation, if imagine if that doctor in India, the surgeon had have just said, cool, I'm sure like most surgeons do, I'll take your money um, and we'll get it. And if you hadn't have spoken to him, then, you know, you, you might have not been doing what you're doing now. And it's just, it's so true. Speaking about things, as, as you said, it makes it less taboo. And then also you, there's every chance in the world that someone else is going through exactly the same thing as you. And then you feel like you're not alone. And and that's Mm. just such a nice feeling to know that, you know, other people are going through it as well. Yeah. I think there's so much to, to remember that there's pain 
there's power in your pain. So one day, because of the journey that you've gone through, whatever it is, um, you're going to be stronger and you're going to connect with other people that have gone through similar journeys. Um, so I think try and find other people that are going through that and you can bond and connect and laugh. And um, that's when I dive deep into STDs and, um, you know, and hemorrhoids and anal fissures and things like that. And it used to be so hard for me to talk about, but because I just speak all day, every day on my Instagram about all these topics, you realize there is an insane amount of humans going through all mm. these human, human things. Um, so reaching out, you can find Facebook groups. Um, you can find all these amongst friends. You can just find so many different ways to talk about whatever it is that's hurting you or upsetting you mm. and just reach out for help. Mm, I love that. And, and I love what you said as well but a little while ago about just being very careful about how you speak to people. It's, it's funny when you Absolutely. mentioned herpes just then. I have cold, the cold sore virus, which is herpes virus number one, I think. Type um, one, yeah. Type one. And I remember in school people would, or actually I went to a girl, girl's school, but maybe guys at the train station or something. Like, I don't <laughs> know, I, I just I have to, can remember some experiences. It might have even been in primary school where mm. uh, people said, like, oh, you must must have herpes. And I was like, what, what do you mean? Like, I just have a mm. cold sore. And then I think now, obviously, I literally don't care and I'm very open about <laughs> you know, all the ways to treat cold sores because they're annoying and I, I like yeah. to drink, <laughs> just put the alcohol in it. But I at the, I was so embarrassed by it because I thought, oh, my God, if someone sees this on my face, they might think that I have herpes. And who cares? Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. But it's just that, again, that experience it's that I had as a stigma. young child and mm. people may be paranoid about it and insecure about it when it shouldn't be an insecurity. No, exactly. And there's, there is, herpes is just the most common virus mm. to carry. Nothing makes my phone go off more than when I start a herpes virus group chat. It just fills up within a whole day. And it's like, it's so funny that there's this stigma about it when so many people are going through it. So it's just this, um, it's just a weird, weird, vicious cycle. Mm. Um, but yeah, we just all need to speak up and get rid of that stigma. Um, but yeah, the only way to do it is to have a voice. So I'm always so happy to use my platform to reach big amounts of people that, yeah, that are going through the exact same thing. And that is why your work is absolutely incredible. So if anyone's listening right now, Ali, and they want to, I know they can follow you on your page, which I think you've, yeah, you shadow banned your account. Yeah. So you have to yeah. type the whole thing in. Yeah, you have to type the whole thing in comfortable my skin with an underscore at the end. Okay, so definitely everyone recommend that. And then also you go around Australia and you do talks. Oh, it depends. You you change it up, don't you, depending on, on where you're going and, yeah. and you post it on your website? Yeah, I post it on my website. So um, definitely um, the Instagram is the best way to keep up because I do travel a lot. Um, but it depends where I'm going. Like if I'm going to Sydney, then I might have, um, or big cities like Melbourne or Sydney, then I'll have parties for, say, example, people to be comfortable with their sexuality. So for women to meet women, um, I do live drawing events. Um, I do a whole different kind of things for people to just become comfortable in my skin. But the photo shoots you can book online and there's a thing called um, photo shoot waitlist. And that's all the different cities around Australia. So you can just sign up. And when I come there, I can send you everything I'm doing. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. And a coffee book coming apparently, which is so good. <laughs> coffee table book coming. Yeah. yeah. So that people can flip through my flaps. <laughs> I love it. 
That's amazing. Well, Ali, thank you so much. Um, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure, pleasure chatting to you, and it's just it's really really incredible what you do. We can't thank you enough for for what you do for women. Oh, thank you, girls. That's so nice. Thank you for having me on. But we hope you guys enjoyed that chat with Ellie. We'll pop all of her information in our show notes. We will be back next Wednesday with another Kick Pod episode. But if you would like to see more from us at Keep It Cleaner, you can find us on social media at Keep It Cleaner, at Laura.Henshaw, at Steph Claire Smith. And of course, if you would like to find out more about our program, head to our website, www.keepitcleaner.com. Bye.